Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. What's up, Revo? Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. Um, when I was growing up, my dad uh, taught me three phrases that I needed to learn. He said, Nathan, this is going to help you in life. It's going to help you in relationships. And I can remember him revisiting this often, but especially when I told him that I was going to try to convince Elizabeth to marry me, he, he reminded me of these three phrases. And, and, and here's what they are. The first one was, uh, he said, Nathan, you need to learn how to say I love you. You need to learn how to say, I love you. And he told me something that I'll never forget. He said, Nathan, love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. Because there's going to be times when you wake up in the morning where you don't feel like loving people. You don't feel in a very loving mood. (laughs) There's going to be times in your marriage and with your friends and as a pastor where you don't feel like loving people. I know that may surprise you. You think, aren't you a pastor? You're supposed to love people? Mm, Doesn't always happen. So it's not a feeling. Eventually that feeling is going to go away once you get married or once you have a friendship or once you have these different relationships in life. Uh, It's a choice. And so, Nathan, you need to decide now that you're going to choose to love people and and tell them, I love you. He said, the next thing that I want to tell you, the, the next phrase that you need to learn how to say is, I'm sorry. Say, I love you, and you need to learn how to say, I'm sorry. Because I'm sorry is a pride issue. It's an ego issue. If you can't say, I'm sorry, then you need to check your pride and your ego, man. There's something in your life that is causing you not to be able to humble yourself and ask for uh, an apology or permission to, to say, I'm sorry, not to ask for forgiveness for someone. And so uh, you, you need to learn how to do that, man. When you, when you do something wrong, you need to man up and admit that you did something wrong, and you need to ask for forgiveness. Uh, you need to say, I'm sorry. So you need to learn how to say, I love you. You need to learn how to say, I'm sorry. And the final thing that you need to learn how to say, Nathan, is uh, I forgive you. If someone ever asks for forgiveness from you, you need to learn how to say, I forgive you. When there are people in your life that do you wrong and they don't ask for forgiveness, you need to learn how to say, I forgive you. Uh, forgiveness is, just, is a crucial part of life. And so he, he taught me uh, growing up, these are three phrases that you need to learn how to say. They're important phrases that you need to focus on. As I got married, they, they proved to be three great phrases that I need to repeat very often to my wife and really any relationship that you're in. And the, the thing that I love about those three questions is you don't have to be a Christian here to track with that. Right? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, first of all, we're so stoked that you're here. Thanks for, for hanging out with us. But, but secondly, like, I love you and I'm sorry and I forgive you. That's not like Jesus-centric stuff. That's stuff that everyone needs to be able to learn and, and embrace how to do. But I want to talk about this morning, I want to talk about the subject and the idea that really encompass all three of those phrases that I tried to learn how to say from a very young age, and I would challenge you to make a, a regular part of your vocabulary. All three of those phrases have to do with a subject that we struggle with. Everyone in this room struggles with. Maybe you're struggling with it right now, and the idea is forgiveness. Forgiveness. 
When we say I'm sorry, it has to do with forgiveness. When we forgive others, it has to do with forgiveness. And oftentimes when we tell someone that we love them, we have to work through forgiveness and the things that they've done maybe to us and around us, the things that we know about them. And I ran across this this quote um, this week, Show me someone who struggles with forgiveness, and I'll show you someone that doesn't understand how much they have been forgiven, or maybe they've just forgotten. If you struggle with forgiveness, chances are, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, chances are you have forgotten about how much you have been forgiven for. Or maybe you never knew what really Jesus has done for you. And I get it. Some of you right here, you're already on the defensive. Like your your wall just went up because I'm I'm, kind of saying that you're struggling with forgiveness. And here's your reaction. Nathan, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the emotional abuse that I've experienced. You don't know maybe the sexual abuse that I've been through. It's pretty audacious for you to get up there and say, well, if you struggle with forgiveness, it's probably you just forgot how to forgive, or maybe you forgot what Jesus has done for you. You have no idea what I've been through. You have no idea what my life is all about. Like You you just have forgotten. Man, you, you don't know my past. You don't know how long I've struggled with. You don't know the abusive relationship maybe I'm in right now. You don't know the husband or the wife that I have. You don't know the parents that I had. You just don't know. And so it's easy for you to stand up there and say, well, you just ought to forgive people. I love you. I'm sorry. I forgive you. Like, sweep it underneath the rug. No worries. Easy for you to say that. You don't know who I am. And so I, I want to I say right now, I, I get it. I don't know your story. I don't know what you've been through. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to downplay forgiveness. I'm not trying to downplay the struggle that you may be in right now. I'm not trying to say your past is not that big of a deal. I'm not trying to say you ought to just forget about it, sweep it underneath the rug, pretend like it never happened. I'm not telling you that you need to stay in an abusive relationship. I'm not trying to say that it's no big deal what's gone on in your life. Uh, this morning, I, I just want to tell you what the Bible says about forgiveness. I want to share with you some truths, even from the book of Job, that we can learn from four truths. I'm not even going to say simple truths because they're not. Four truths that we get from Scripture. I know this is hard, but what I want to do is just tell you, tell you what the Bible says about forgiveness. Remember where Job's been, how many people have done him wrong. We tapped into chapter 42 last week, and in, in chapter 42, verse 7, Uh, almost to the end of the book, almost where God puts closure, we visit this idea of forgiveness. And in chapter 42, verse 7, here's, here's the scene. It says, After the Lord had spoken these words to Job, all of those 70 questions that we talked about last week, uh, where, where God just took Job to school. After he had said these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, it's one of the three friends, that Job had. My anger burns against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now therefore take seven bulls and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. For you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuite and Zophar the Namathite went and did what the Lord had told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. 
Four things that I want to write down. If you're taking notes, you may jot these down. Four handles that I want to try to put on forgiveness. As we talk about a, a, a touchy subject, an idea that, that many people, I know I've struggled with it in my life. I'm, I know that you have too, maybe in the middle of it right now, that can really help us this morning to get off of the sorry struggle bus when it deals with forgiveness. The first thing that I want to I just get it out on the open, get it out on the table, like let's just make, make it clear right now, is, is this. Forgiveness does not make sense. Like Some of you are waiting to forgive people because you're waiting for it to make sense for you to forgive them. And I just need to tell you now, like you're going to be waiting for a long time. Because some people have done things to you and said things to you that don't make sense. And it doesn't make sense for you to forgive them. But forgiveness doesn't make sense. There's a lot of typical responses that we have towards people uh, when we should offer forgiveness. And here's some of the things that, that I've responded, some of the ways that you may respond that are keeping us from offering forgiveness. The first one is this. Um, instead of forgiveness, we want to respond with an attitude of payback. Right? You need to feel the pain that you caused me. Uh, you don't know what you've done to me, and so I'm not going to forgive you until you feel a little bit of that. It's payback time. Before I offer forgiveness, you need to see the pain I've been through. You need to experience it a little bit on your own. You need to feel the uncomfortable nature and mood that I've been in because of what you've done for me. And so forgiveness may be a little bit down the road, but not before you get a little taste of your own medicine. Not until you squirm a little bit and feel uncomfortable when you're around me. Instead of forgiveness, we want to we offer payback. Another response that we have for forgiveness, instead of forgiveness, is we want to constantly remind people of what they've done to us. Instead of forgiving and, and moving on and moving forward in the relationship or in the friendship or in your marriage or with a, with a boss or a coworker, we don't want to do that. We want to constantly hold it over people's head. So that whenever we make a mistake, we can always bring it back. Well, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I messed up. But at least I didn't do what you did. At least I didn't say what you said. At least I didn't hurt you the way that you hurt me. At least what I did didn't have as much ramifications and as, as many results and, and collateral damage as what you did. Remember what you did to me? Remember what you said? And that becomes our scapegoat, right? It becomes a, a pass for us as long as we hold that over their head and lord it over them. Instead of forgiving them, we want to we constantly remind them of what they've done. Another response instead of forgiveness that oftentimes people have is gossip. Um, instead of forgiving people, now here's the, here's the funny part about it, especially with, uh, with, with Christians, we do this sometimes. Instead of forgiving people, we will tell other people that we have forgiven them but we want to have a conversation at the same time. Here's what it'll look like. Hey, now listen. Now, I forgave them, but let me tell you what they did to me. Now, I'm past it. Like, I, it's done. I'm fine. I did what Jesus told me to do. But can you believe they said this? Can you believe they would do a thing like that? Now, I'm done with it. I forgive. I have totally forgiven them. But can I just tell you what they did? Can I tell you what happened? Can I tell you how I played out? Can, you tell, can I tell you how bad of a person that this person is? I've forgiven them. I'm done with it. Like, it's in the past. But I just, can, I, can I just share with you? And we haven't talked to the person that we have supposedly forgiven 
But we'll talk to everybody else about how maybe one day we'll forgive them. But in the meantime, let me tell you what they did to me. And let me tell you why. We begin to, to make people choose sides. We want them to, to be on our side. We want them to say, he did that? Shoot, he's crazy. He is in the wrong. You're right and he's wrong. Or she's right and he's wrong. It's, he's wrong all the time. We gossip about it. We gossip instead of, instead of offering forgiveness. Another Another way that this plays out, sometimes in our marriage is especially, is we give them the cold shoulder. Uh, we don't offer forgiveness. We don't talk about it. We don't lord it over them. But it's the cold shoulder we withdraw from the person that has offended us, that has done something wrong. Sometimes in marriage, couples can, uh, or one spouse can withdraw affection from the other one. The emotional connection, the, the physical connection, just the, any, anything that they can withdraw and give the cold shoulder. Instead of forgiving, we want them, and again, we want them to feel the pain and the uncomfortable nature that they've called us. We don't want them to forget, and so we'll just give short answers. We'll ignore them. We will withdraw. We'll pull off to, our, to ourselves. Forgiveness is not human nature. That's why it doesn't make sense. You mean to tell you what human nature is? I'll pay you back. That's human nature. When somebody does us wrong, our initial gut response is, I'll show you. I'll pay you back. I'll give you what you deserve. That's why. So like, let's just admit it, man. Forgiveness doesn't make sense. It's not in our nature. It's not our natural response. It's not what we normally do. And so if you're waiting for it to make sense to offer forgiveness to someone, you're going to be waiting for a long time because it doesn't make sense. And, and here's where it ties in to today. Sometimes forgiveness, we can think in our mind that we're punishing some other person by doing all these things. But here's what, here's what lack of forgiveness does. It actually produces bitterness and hurt and pain and anxiety in our lives. Not in the other person's life, but in our lives. When we fail to offer forgiveness to someone that has done us wrong, then all it does is it keeps us up at night. It causes our minds to dwell on it. We get angry. We get bitter. Like, they're out there having a good time, man. Can I just be honest with you? They're not thinking about you. They're not thinking about you or what they did to you. They're not sorry about it. Like, they've already moved on. But here you are, not willing to offer forgiveness, and you're the one that has to do battle with it. Um, a, a, by a lady, an author by the name of Anne Lamott said this. She said, not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rats to die. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Not forgiving makes you a slave to it, not them. It punishes you, not them. It's like you drinking the poison and saying, all right, let's stare them down. Any day now, they're just going to keel over and die. Any day, man, this, I'm just, yeah, I'm not going to forgive them. I'm just going to watch them die. I've struggled before because, tell me if you've ever been here before, and it, it just didn't make sense. Has anyone ever asked you forgiveness so quickly that, that you weren't ready to forgive? They were ready to ask for it, but you weren't ready to give it. They were like, whoa, you haven't thought about that long enough. You don't even, do you even know what you did? Do you even know why you're asking forgiveness? Or are you just saying it? And they're asking forgiveness from us, but we're like, no, no, no. And again, it's, we want to pay them back. No, no, no. You need to think about that a little bit more. You need to really marinate on what you've done to me. You need to think about it and get a little payback. And we hold that forgiveness away from them in our, in our lives. I would have loved to have seen Job's response. I would have loved just to have seen his face. 
when Job or when God begins to talk because finally Job gets just just lamb blasted by God about the things that he's done and said and how he 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 didn't do the right things in certain areas and how he lost his faith and trust in God and God's like let me let me help you refocus on those kind of things but finally in verse 7 God turns to his three friends like can you imagine Job's like finally he's not he's not on me anymore and here we go I've got a front row seat to God getting ready to chair these three guys I told you you shouldn't have said that. I told you it was wrong. And I'm going to, yes, I'm going to be right here. And I'm going to, I'm here with God. And I'm going to get to see him chew you out. And this is going to be awesome. In verse 7, God begins to say, you guys did not say the right thing. You did not represent me well. And Job's like, yep, that's what I'm talking about. I tried to tell you guys that. 50 different times, but you didn't listen to me. Now God's chewing you out. You didn't do the right thing. You didn't say the right thing. Tell him what we're going to do next, God. And in verse 8, God says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to take all these rams and all these bulls, and you're going to come make a sacrifice. And Job's like, that's right, a sacrifice. You ought to bring it down to me, just like God said. You ought to make a sacrifice because you're wrong. God says, Bring it to Job, and you're going to pray and ask forgiveness from Job. Job's like, you daggum right you are. You're going to come and, hey, why don't you get on your knees in front of me and beg a little bit. Bring on the rams. Bring it all. Like, it's like you messed up. God, tell them what's next. And in, and in verse 8, at the end of verse 8, and here's what God says. God said, and Job is going to forgive you, and he's going to pray to me so that I will accept your forgiveness. And Job's like, Wait, what now? I'm going to pray for them to forgive them. Now, that's, that's not what I had planned. Can we, God, can you make them squirm? You asked me 70 questions, God, and you only told them to do two things. Can't we just make them squirm a little bit? God, remember all that stuff they said that was against you and they misrepresented you and, and you, you, you just, you want me to forgive them? Just, just forgive them. Like, just, just do it. Don't even think about it. Don't make them wait. No, you just want me to forgive them. God's like, yeah, I just want you to forgive them. God, that doesn't make sense, man. You know how long they tortured me? You know how much torment they put me through? And you just... You just want me to forgive? God's like, yeah. I want you to pray for them and, and ask forgiveness for them on my behalf. And, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to listen to what you say, and I'm going to forgive them. God, that doesn't make sense. Forgiveness doesn't make sense. Second thing we see in, in verse 8 is, is this, and this is, this is huge. Forgiveness matters to God. Forgiveness doesn't make sense, but in verse 8, Forgiveness matters to God because God gives them specific instructions. Sacrifice these bulls, ask forgiveness, Job will then pray, and I will give you forgiveness. Like this is the this this is the last part of the book. God could have easily left this part out, right? Reconcile Job. Like I just got Job refocused. I told him what he needed to do. I'm getting ready to double everything that he have. Forget those three losers. Like they don't know what they're talking about anyway. Job, let's just me and you roll with it happily ever after. He could have easily done that and left out these two verses out of a 42-chapter book. Could have left out verses 7, 8, and 9. But he didn't. You want to know why? Because forgiveness matters to God. 
may not matter to you. There's been times in my life where forgiveness didn't really matter. I'm just like, hey, I'm done with them. I don't need to talk with them. I don't need to forgive them. Like, forget it. Let them do their thing. I'm going to do my thing, and it's fine. Like, I'm, like I, no, no dust off my, off my shoes, man. That's, that's, I, I don't care. No skin off my back. It doesn't matter. I don't, I don't care. And forgiveness didn't matter to me, but forgiveness matters to God. Let me, let me show you something that really blew my mind in Matthew. Let me just read it for you instead of you flipping there. In, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus preaches a sermon, in his, his most famous sermon. And in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, let me show you how important forgiveness is to God. In verse 23, So, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Let me get this straight. We're in the middle of the worship service, right? Band is rocking it. Zach hitting those notes that we all like. It's our favorite song, man. The lights, I don't know what they're doing back there, but it's perfect. The sound, not too loud, not too soft. It's perfect. And all of a sudden, Jesus hops up on stage and says, Oh, time out, time out, time out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. hey, turn it down for a second. Everybody, everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. No more, no more singing. No more worship. No more worship. Here's the deal. If anybody in here has not forgiven someone that has done something to you, you need to leave. Like, don't sing another note. I don't want you to give your offering. I don't want you to open up your Bible. I don't want you to sing a song, but you need to get up now and leave. You need to reconcile with your brother, then you can come back in here and we'll start the band. The Son of God tells people, do not worship God if you need to be reconciled to a brother. You think forgiveness matters to God? That he would say, don't even give your offering yet. Do not sing another note. Do not worship me one more second. If there's someone in your life that you need to offer forgiveness to, if there's a relationship that needs to be reconciled, Jesus is like, I'll wait. i got another, about another two and a half years before I have to die on the cross. I'll wait. We'll wait here. We'll worship. We'll, we'll stay. We'll wait on you. That's crazy to me. That Jesus would say, stop worshiping God. This is how important reconciliation and forgiveness is. In Matthew 6, chapter 14, or, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, here, here's another verse that a lot of people don't like to read, a lot of people don't like to think about, they're confused by it, they have a lot of questions, but I'm, l- let me just say this, I'm, I'm going to read it, and I'm just going to tell you, I don't have any exegesis on this, it means what it says, okay? That's my explanation. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You think forgiveness matters to God? You think it's important to Him? Because according to those two verses, a lot is riding on our willingness to forgive others when they do us wrong. A lot is, is on the line 
And it just goes to show in Scripture that, that there is this, there's this, both this seeking forgiveness from others and also offering forgiveness from others, to others. You see what I'm saying? Like there's a seeking and there's an offering. And God says, reconcile the relationship, man. God says the same thing that you do to others is the same thing that's going to happen to you. So you better think long and hard about your willingness to forgive and, and what it really matters to God. Here's the third thing that, that we learn from this text in, in Job. I'm sure by, by this point, Job's like, I'm wondering if anything's going to happen to those three guys. Like, I'm wondering, am I the only one that's going to get chewed on? Like, is it, like what, what about them? And so it must have been a reprieve for Job to actually see God turn to these other three men and speak to them. But here's what we have to remember. Um, judgment belongs to God. Forgiveness does not make sense, number one. And then the third one, judgment belongs to God. Not only does forgiveness matter to God, but judgment belongs to God. Let me read Romans chapter 12, verse 17 and 19. Here's what Paul says. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Listen to this. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. We hate that, don't we? <laughs> I'm just going to be honest, man. I don't want God to repay someone else. Because, here's the problem, God may not repay them like I want to repay them. Right? God's wrath may not burn against them as much as my wrath burns against them. Here's, here's, what, we're, here's what it boils down to. We don't trust God. We don't trust God that he'll handle it. God, I swear, if you forgive them, I'm going to be ticked. If you give them grace and mercy after what they've done for me, no, no, no. God, all the sweat, blood, and tears I've dropped over this, and you're going to let them go scot-free? What if God forgave them? What if God didn't make them have any consequences? I can't take that risk. <laughs> I cannot put that into the hands of God because I'm telling you, if God lets that low-down person get away with what they did to me, my feelings are going to be hurt. So here's what I'll do, God. Take it easy. I'll handle it. I'll bring the wrath. I'll bring the judgment. I'll be in charge of punishing them. Because, God, I just don't trust that you'll do it as good as I do. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, man, that you'll forgive them. I'm afraid that they'll actually have a good life. I'm afraid that they won't feel the pain. I'm afraid that they won't learn their lesson. And then we get all humanitarian on it. We're like, I'm afraid they may do this to someone else. So I better handle it now. But Scripture says judgment belongs to God. Job didn't judge these three guys. He waited on, waited on God to handle the, the, the punishment. But here's the problem. Man, if, if God offers grace, just outright grace, no strings attached to that jerk, I'm going to be mad. And I just can't afford to take that risk. So I'll handle it. I'll, I'll make sure they suffer. I'll make sure they pay. I'll make sure the repayment the repayment happens. 
See, in Scripture we read that, that God doesn't say, they'll pay for it dearly, Nathan, just, just hold on. God doesn't say, hey, I'm going to make sure that you have a front row seat to it. God doesn't say, I'm going to lower the boom. It's not going to be right now, but I am going to lower the boom, and they are going to be sorry, and you are going to feel good. God never says that in Scripture. Here's what God says. I'll handle it. I'll handle it. The judgment is up to me. I choose how they're judged. I choose how much forgiveness and grace and mercy they have. That's my call. Now, if God would look at us and say, whatever they've done to you, I'm going to multiply it by 10 when they least expect it, then I'm like, all right, God, it's yours. <laughs> I don't care. That's fine. Forgiveness given, right? And then we just laugh because they know they have it coming, but that's not what God says. God says, give it to me, and I'll decide what judgment looks like, even if judgment looks like 100% forgiveness, 100% grace and mercy, even if judgment looks like they have a great life after what they've done to you. And the problem is, sometimes we don't trust God. And we think that God is going to do something that we don't want to do. And it doesn't repay them in a way that we want repaid. And so we finally say, God, just, I'll handle it. I'll do it. I'll make sure these three guys pay. I'll make sure this person pays. I'll make sure they get what's coming to them. I'm afraid, God, that you will not punish them adequately. And so I'll take it into my own hands. Judgment always belongs to God. The last thing that I want to share with you about forgiveness is, is this. The last thing that we have to remember, listen to God and do what he says. Listen to God when it pertains to both seeking and offering forgiveness. Listen to God and do what he says. In verse 9, it says, the three men did exactly what God asked them to do. They brought the rams and the the, the bulls, and they offered it. And, and listen to this. It even says Job did exactly what God told him to do. Job prayed for the three men that had done him wrong, that had made his life a living hell for the last few months. And he prayed to God and asked forgiveness on their behalf. Everybody involved, the three friends and Job, they listened to God and, and did what he said. You know, there's specific things that we find in Scripture that God lays out as it pertains to offering forgiveness and, and asking for forgiveness. And, and the bottom line is, if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, you just need to listen to God and do what He says. You need to understand that it doesn't make sense. You need to understand that forgiveness matters to God. You need to understand that the judgment is left up to Him. That it's all in God's hands. And we just need to simply listen to God and do what He says. Just like Job did. Just like the three friends did. But, but here's, a, here's a loophole, right? Here's a loophole. I'm looking for loopholes. What if they don't ask? Do you have to forgive someone that doesn't ask for it? Some of you may be saying, hey, I'll forgive them once they admit they're wrong. Once they come up to me and say, you know what? I was wrong. You were right. I'm sorry. Then I'll forgive them. But until then, mm -mm. They, don't, they haven't learned their lesson yet. They didn't, they didn't they don't even know what they did wrong. They don't even care. Maybe they don't even know I'm mad. Maybe they don't even want forgiveness. God, if they don't want forgiveness, I don't want to force it on them. That would be rude of me. Is that the loophole? Let me, let me share with you what Colossians 3.13 says. I like this out of the, the New Living Translation. Make allowance for each other's faults 
and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I like that word at the end. The Lord forgave you, you must forgive others. Scripture doesn't say, when they ask for it, and they repent, and they beg, and they get on their knees, and they make the sacrifice, then offer forgiveness. It doesn't say once they've learned their lesson, and once you feel good about it, and once you feel like you can get some closure around it, and once you feel like you won and they lost, and once you feel like you proved your point, and once you feel like everybody knows not to mess with you, and everybody knows that you were right, and this whole time you weren't crazy and you weren't lying, like once you know all of that, then it's good to offer forgiveness for them. Once they've suffered long enough, and you know you're in the right, then it's a good time to offer forgiveness. No, it says, forgive anyone that has offended you, even if they never asked for it, even if they still think they're right, even if if they were in the wrong, even if they don't care, even if they're not repentant, anyone that offends you. Scripture says, offer forgiveness to them, forgive them, even, even without them approaching you about it. Now, I want to be clear. Forgiveness does not mean to ignore it. Forgiveness does not mean to tolerate sin in our lives. Forgiveness does not mean to stay in an abusive relationship. Forgiveness does not mean to continue to to stretch yourself on this doing this emotional gymnastics where you're up and down every day and you struggle with it so bad. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying that forgiveness is you just walking away and saying, well, you know, it's really not that big of a deal that he hits me and physically abuses me. Oh, well, it's really not that big of a deal that I've been in this relationship for so Well, it's really not that big of a deal that there's a huge sin issue in, in either my life or, or someone else's life. No, that's, that's not what forgiveness means. That's not what he's saying. So I want to ask you a question. Who do you need to offer forgiveness to, even if they haven't asked? To to just take that bitterness and that anger and that anxiety out of your heart and out of your life. Who do you need to initiate a conversation with today? And say, you know what, I know you haven't asked. I'm not saying I was wrong. I'm not saying you were. Here's the deal. I forgive you. I forgive you. Who do you need to seek forgiveness from? Who do you need to call today and you say, you know what, I made a mistake. And maybe it's been a long time. And I don't even know if you remember it. But I need to ask forgiveness. And I need to say I'm sorry. I need to humble myself and swallow my own pride and my ego. And I need to do what's right to reconcile this relationship. I need to do what God has called me to do. And even though you didn't ask me to say I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And and I want to seek forgiveness from you today. If I forgive, won't they take advantage of me? Won't they just do it again? If they didn't learn their lesson... Won't we just go through this all over again? Man, Nathan, I don't feel like being hurt again. I don't feel like having to go through that. And I'm scared that if I just gloss over it and offer forgiveness, then it'll it'll happen again. Yep, I'll admit, 
Sometimes when you offer forgiveness, when you extend grace and mercy with no strings attached, people will take advantage of it, and people will abuse it. But here's why I think it's so important. Because you and I take advantage of the forgiveness that Christ has offered us every single day. What if Jesus looked at us and said, before he got on that cross, won't they take advantage of it? Won't they keep sinning? Won't they keep doing things that I told them not to do? And God the Father looks at God the Son and says, yep, but you're going to give your life for them anyway. You're going to give your all so that they can have that opportunity. And you know what? They're going to take advantage of it, and they're going to run over it, and they're going to swear to you they're never going to do it again, and they're going to do it again. And it's going to look like they're going to take advantage of you maybe for the rest of their lives. But salvation in Jesus is their only hope, and so we're going to give it to them anyway. Forgiveness doesn't make sense, but it matters enough to God that he would give his only son on the cross to die for you and me, despite the many times we've taken advantage of it. And if we're going to love like Jesus, then we're going to have to learn how to forgive like Jesus. And that involves a risk, but it's the way that God has called us to live our lives.